you know, what happens when more and more of the stuff that accounting and finance professionals have been trained to do and have been doing for years are now being done by machines, uh, what does that mean for, for our profession? Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Hey, welcome to episode 72 of Improv is No Joke podcast. And today my guest is Bill Sheridan. He's the chief communication officer at the Maryland Association of CPAs, and he is now a repeat offender on this podcast. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. Good to be back. It's nice having you back. Uh, and this is actually, this conversation is going to tail from episode 67 and the interview that I did with Tom Hood, the CEO of the Maryland Association. And in that episode, he mentioned something about a white paper that was being published by the MACPA. And I got my hands on it, and it's titled Human Work in the Ages of Machines, Five Steps for Building a Future-Ready Finance Team by Bill Sheridan. That's going to be our conversation today is I, I want to know more about, I, I read it. I loved it. It's, it. it makes sense. It's powerful. It should be read by every CPA in our community. And that's in the, speaking in a global community about how technology is impacting us. So let's have this conversation about, about this white paper. What, what spurred you to put this together? Because I know we've talked about it in the past, this topic, and Tom's talked about it, but now, but now you have it on paper. Well, first of all, thank you for, for reading for reading the white paper. We, we think the stuff in it is is, is really really important. Um, what spurred it? Well, a couple of things. The first is just you know the trends that we were we're seeing, not only in this profession but in in the workforce in general. I'm speaking specifically about um, technology, the trends in, in in technology that we're seeing, um, things like artificial intelligence, robots, machine learning, um, all of these. Uh, technologies are, are kind of ganging up on us at once. And, we, you know, we've had our eyes on it for the last few years, but it just seems lately that there's been a lot of buzz about these things. And we're starting to see um, things like AI and, and machine learning actually being implemented around the fringes of the profession. So the stuff isn't science fiction anymore. It's not, it's, it's happening. You know, you see things like, like IBM Watson being put into, into play uh, by folks like H&R Block, for instance, um, and some others that are using it for in, in the audit profession as well. So, so these things are here. They're, they're having a real impact on the profession. Um, and they're, they're doing a lot of the stuff that CPAs have, quite frankly, been trained to do and have been doing for, for years and years and years. So, you know, what happens when more and more of the stuff that accounting and finance professionals have been trained to do and have been doing for years are now being done by machines. Uh, what does that mean for, for our profession? Um, so that, that was one, that was one thing that we've, we've been watching and, uh, have been a little bit concerned about. 
So the other thing that, that got us concerned was a, a report that came out a couple of years ago from CPA.com. It was called Welcome to the Fast Future. And, and that report tried to gauge how future-ready this profession was. And what they found was it's not future-ready at all. I mean, only 8% of the uh, CPAs and accounting and finance pros who were surveyed uh, for that report, only 8% said that they felt the profession was future ready. That, that and that was that really gets us worried. So when you've got um, when you've got a, kind of that convergence, mass change, mass transfer, uh, transformation, hitting our profession um, in big ways right now, and uh, the profession itself saying we're just not ready for it, uh, that said to us, uh, we've got to do something to to help accounting and finance pros get. A little become a little bit more future ready. So, so that's that's kind of what spurred this on. Um, and, and our hope is that people will read this and come away with at least the beginnings of a blueprint for how they can start making some changes and become a little bit more future ready. Yeah, I, when um, KPMG signed the agreement uh, last March, I believe it was with uh, IBM, uh, the CEO said something along these lines, cognitive computing is here in the auditing practice and we'll be able to analyze many more transactions than we've ever been able to do in the past. And, and that statement alone told me that the auditing function is greatly going to change. Uh, if I don't need this team going out and doing the sampling process, digging through invoices, uh, and I also, and that same thought was, and if I bring it into a current event with Wells Fargo, if AI and Watson was reviewing the transactions in Wells Fargo at the rate that it could, would it have discovered this consumer lending fraud action in a, in a much more rapid way than how it ultimately happened? So I, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions out there, but I, I also hear CPAs basically say the P in CPA stands for procrastination. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not not going to do anything. Because I, I, I take this back to, remember, IFRS? Yes. Incentive for retirement soon, as the, the baby boomers would say. Uh, and, and until something happened, they weren't paying attention to it. And then, then IFRS went away, but we still went ahead with the revenue recognition a new standard. And I've still run into people today that still don't believe it's real and it's actually happening. Right, right. Um, so this is a challenge. Yeah, it, it's a it it is a challenge. Um, Tom Hood, my boss um, at the MACPA and and the Business Learning Institute, he and I have been out um, speaking to accounting and finance pros throughout the country for for a lot of the last year about this topic. And and generally, I get two reactions. One is, and this is generally from from the older folks in the profession, who um, they don't deny that it's happening, but they don't. I think their their plan is to ignore it long enough to retire, so that they don't have to worry about it. You know, um, <laughs> the other reaction that we get is is quite frankly, um, uh, fear, terror, almost. It's like uh, they they hear about these trends. And they're not prepared for them, and, and they don't really know uh, what to do next. Um, and our, our, you know, our goal is, yeah, to scare them a little bit, but we don't want them to be terrified about this stuff. You know, I mean, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. These these right. technological changes. There's really nothing we can do about it except learn how to 
do the things that machines can't do um, and and work with them and and not against them because like I said there's there's they're coming and there's really nothing that we can do about it except prepare ourselves and and learn how to reinvent ourselves a little bit um, to go beyond being just number crunchers right and be more like number interpreters telling the story behind the numbers doing the things that that the machines can't do um, and to your point about telling the story behind the numbers that's going to be that's going to be hard but I, I think the, the even step beyond that is telling that story because you, you 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 allude to it in the white paper about translator becoming a translator well, we need to you know, I, I ask uh, CPAs, if they speak a foreign language, and, and I get, I don't, I don't get a lot of hands up. And then I ask them if they speak the foreign language of business called accounting. All these hands go up. And go, it's a foreign language, and, and we have to learn how to translate that foreign language into plain English. So that's another challenge on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, and and we, you know, the machines are great. They could, they could, There's a lot that they can do that we can't. They're, they they can do this stuff. You know, this kind of transactional, core transactional functions that we've been doing for, for years, they can do it faster, more accurately than, than we can ever hope to. You know, but they can't do everything. I mean, humans have a, a decided advantage over the machines in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I, the, and, and it comes from just being human, right? right? <laughs> being able to tell those stories right. behind the numbers, helping our clients and customers become a little bit more future ready as well, which is something that we can do that uh, the machines can't, quite frankly. I think it was a, there's a, a, a futurist out there by the name of Peter Sheehan, deep thinker about this stuff. And he says, you know, we've entered an age when, where humans should only do work that only humans can do. Right. And everything else is going to be automated. Um, and I think that's, that's really true. So, you know, that, that's going to require us to kind of rethink how we, how we rethink what we know about learning and about the skills that we possess. Um, I think we're going to we're going to have to kind of learn an entirely new set of skills in order to remain relevant going forward. And, and it's not the it's not the technical skills that have, that right. have gotten us here. Uh, right. Those are I mean, you know, this like I said, this stuff, stuff's not going to go away overnight. But and those those technical skills are, are still make make up the, the foundation, the core of this profession. They're, and they're, they're still terribly, terribly important. But in order to remain relevant going forward, we're going to have to tack on an entirely new skill set on top of that that's that's going to focus more on the human side of business i think well, yeah, we have to have the technical knowledge that that, can, that will not go away it, it, we may not have to crunch the numbers but we have to be able to stand, understand what we're viewing and become better communicators that that human factor the the, the, the empathy aspect of it the, the body language and understanding and making that connection and, and translating and you know we, we tend to call them soft skills and, and you know, people just kind of, eh. but I, I, I found a way that I, I got uh, people's attention about this. I said, we may call them soft skills, but you know what? They're pretty hard to master. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Um, and, and Tom is, is, uh, he's fond of, of calling them hard skills. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, Soft, soft implies that they're easy, right? And there's yeah. nothing easy about this, about these things. No. Um, they're difficult to learn. Let's define what we're talking about here. So Tom, Tom did some uh, research of his own recently. He, he took all of the research that we know is out there about what skills 
um, we're, we, and I'm talking about accounting and finance pros, what skills accounting and finance pros are going to need in order to remain relevant going forward? And there's a ton of uh, research out there. So this came from the AICPA's uh, Horizons 2025 project. He looked, he looked at a, a number of books on the, on, uh, on the topic. One is called The Second Machine Age, um, which laid out um, exactly what skills we're going to need uh, in the age of, of you know, machines and, and, and machine learning. Humans Are Underrated by Jeff Colvin uh, was another book. Only Humans Need Apply um, by Thomas Davenport, Julia Kirby. And then there were some other ones. The Fourth Industrial Revolution by Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum. That, that laid out um, future skills. Um, and then there were a couple reports from the Institute of the Future um, by Marina Gorbis. And uh, finally, the 2020 Workplace. Um, so Tom took a look at all of this research that's been done just recently over the last couple of years and kind of put all of the skills that these different pieces of research focused in on into a matrix to kind of come up with the core eight skills that CPAs are going to need to remain relevant going forward. And, and what he found was the ones mentioned most frequently by all these uh, different um, researchers were uh, communications, leadership, uh, number three was critical thinking and problem solving. The fourth was anticipating and serving evolving needs. Fifth one was synthesizing intelligence to insight, right? Providing the insight insight to, to the numbers. Um, what are the numbers telling us? The sixth was integration and collaboration. Uh, the seventh was being tech savvy. Um, and, and he kind of combined data analytics into that one as well. And finally, functional and domain expertise. So, uh, again, those those um, uh, those technical skills that we, that we were talking about. But that's that's, you know, seven of those eight skills are, are, are things that, you know, your your stereotypical accounting and finance pro may not have uh, mastered up to this point. So so that those are the types of things that, that all of the research that we're seeing are is telling us are going to be critically important going forward. And the first and the first six that you read were the exact same that came out of the Horizons 2025 project that was published 2010, 2011, if my memory serves me correctly, because I was on council at the time. So if, if Tom created this matrix and, and was looking, so that, that research that was done, so if it was published in 2010, that research was done seven and eight and nine, and we're in 17, it's still relevant, that, that, that research that was done. Unbelievably relevant. I mean, it's, it's, that, that was the, the really cool thing about the Horizons Project that I, I don't think most people in the profession grasped at the time. Um, they were trying to make this profession future ready six, seven years ago. Right. I mean, they 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 understood what was coming uh, and and laid out what exactly we need to do about it. And and I think what happens typically is we're all so busy, the busyness of just getting through the day to day stuff that something along that line comes along and, and we think, well, that, that's kind of interesting or, um, you know, interesting stuff coming out of the Horizons Project. But then we get sucked right back into the busy work, right? <laughs> and just trying to churn through all the stuff on our desk on a day-to-day -day basis. And we tend to ignore stuff like that until it's almost too late, until the stuff that is kind of interesting on the horizon 
suddenly gets closer and closer and is threatening to steamroll us. So now it's it's getting to be crunch time and people are saying, okay, what do I actually need to do about this stuff? Um, so, yep, I think that's where we are today. Yeah. I'll even give the profession a, a shout out here because even before the 2025 project, we had the vision project. That mm-hmm. was what was the profession going to look like by the year 2011? Mm-hmm. And that's once we get closer to 2011, that's when the, the Horizon Project came out. So we've been we've been trying to be future ready since the early to, the, to mid to late 90s. Well, here's here's something interesting that that Vision Project, by the way, that's where they came up with the the the, the core purpose of the of the profession. Um, and I I tell CPAs what their core purpose is every time I'm out talking to them, and very few people have ever heard of this. But in the Vision Project, the core purpose that they designed or, or developed, and this was done at a grassroots level with CPAs throughout the country. The core purpose of the profession is CPAs making sense of a changing and complex world. Now think about that, <laughs> making sense of a changing and complex world. Back in, and this was, this was what, 99, 2000, that, that, that vision project came along? Right. They were thinking about this stuff almost two decades ago mm-hmm. um, and, and setting this profession up to succeed uh, as the world transforms before our very eyes. So um, I, I think that that is very cool that they were thinking, <laughs> CPAs have been thinking about this stuff for two decades, and yet here we are, and, and very few of them have, have actually done anything about it. So um, so that's that's the next step. Now, we, we, we've known for a while what's coming, um, and the last couple of years especially, we've seen it accelerate. Uh, now we got to this is where the rubber meets the road, and we actually have to um, make ourselves a little bit more future ready. I'm in the I'm in the middle of just in the middle of the book uh, Steve Jobs's autobiography, mm-hmm. and it's interesting when, when they talk about the early years of of developing the the, the processor of of developing the computer. And I was thinking about that as I was reading it last night coming coming back from North Carolina. And I was looking. That, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. That was what mid to mid to late seventies. Mm-hmm. And we're in two thousand seventeen. And my God, to that exponential doubling approach, it's blown up since then. But but the the question I I hear is the the, the computer is supposed to make our lives easier. But I'm working harder and harder and harder. So what's going to happen now if? We're having more machines do the work. Will I be working even harder? I think in the short term, probably the answer will be um, yes, as you sit down and, and ramp up your the skills that you're going to need going forward. But ultimately, what that's going to do is help you remain relevant to your clients and customers in ways that the machines never will, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be some work that we're all going to have to do um, in, in order to learn these new skills. Mm-hmm. Once we do, we're just going to be that much more well-prepared to do the work that machines can't do. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't see us getting less busy <laughs> in the short term, um, maybe not even in the long term. But I think the work that is going to keep us busy is going to change significantly. So my question to you is how do you take an introverted profession? Introver- I mean, I, I'm using this as a broad brush. 
and teach them extroverted skills? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 a good question. Um, I don't know that they're you know. In in a way, I think that 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 um, stereotype, the introverted CPA, is is a bit overblown. I, I don't think they're any more introverted than anybody else. I think they're a little. I, what I think is the the big problem is that it's it, it's a it's a rear facing profession, right? It's it's a it's a profession that is built on accounting for things that have already happened, right? We're, we're, we've been trained to look in the rearview mirror and that's, that's what we've done for decades and decades. Mm. And now we're at a point where we have to start looking through the, the, the windshield a little bit more and learn how to become more of a, a, a forward facing profession and, and figuring out what we need to do to stay relevant tomorrow rather than just accounting for what happened yesterday. Well, it's laid out in the white paper. Basically, I think there's 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 five key steps to to doing it. Right. Number one is to understand the context of what's happening. Um, what are the big changes going on around us? And again, we're talking about there's really a, a convergence of of what we like to call hard trends, things that we know are going to happen. Um, technological advances is one. Demographics is another. Um, the changing face of the workforce. Right. Baby boomers are on their way out. And now you've got a brand new generation getting ready to enter the workforce when, with Generation Z. Uh, so the, the workforce itself is shifting. And legislation, those, those, those three things, demographics, regulation, and technology, are really, they're, they're kind of converging in a, in a, at a weird time and kind of forming this, this almost perfect storm, right? So, so understanding what's going on with those trends is, is, is is the first step. The second one is is what we call certainty, right? What can we be certain about? What are the things that are happening that we know are going to happen? Because what happens is when you start basing your strategy around things that you know are going to happen, as a futurist Dan Burns would say, your your odds of succeeding go up, uh, and the risk of of uh, failing go down, right? When you start basing your strategy around things that you know are going to happen, as a quick example, we know that. The well, the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 or X uh, have just been released. We probably we know that there's probably going to be another one next year that's going to be even more powerful than the ones this year. Um, uh, so how can we how can we take advantage of that, right? And this is just a, a a real simple example, but there are things going around going on around us every day that we know are going to happen. We, we know with absolute certainty that technology is going to continue to advance. We know that regulation and legislation is going to continue to come at us faster uh, and in more groundbreaking rate ways than ever before. We know these trends around demographics are happening. So how can we learn to base our strategies and what we do uh, as organizations around some of those hard trends that we know are going to happen anyway, right? So, so certainty. That's the second key step. Number three is, is capacity. It's, it's going to take time for us to learn how to become future ready. And we're all busier than ever before, right? We don't have time. But I'm a, I'm a, a big believer in the idea that we make time for the things that are important to us, right? If, if, 
if watching three hours of TV every night is important to you, you're going to find time to do that, right? If getting to the gym every day is important to you, you'll you'll make time in your schedule. And this stuff, becoming future ready, it's as important as anything you're going to be able to do. So how do you create some of that time? Um, and there's, there's, there's a million, I mean, we could spend all day talking about examples like, and again, this is a real simple example, but we all use Microsoft Word, right? Yeah. There's what, about 4,000 features and functions in, in Word uh, right now? How many of those do you use? <laughs> Maybe five. Right, exactly. And how many of them did you pay for? Right? You paid for all of them, right? right. And so, I'm, again, real simple example, but I'm guessing that there's some features and functions in there that if you learned how to do it well, would save you some time down the road. And that's true with every piece of technology that we are, right? We, um, so just kind of looking at our processes and, and understanding how we can build in a little bit of extra time just by doing them in a slightly different way, becoming more efficient and effective, and learning how to build in some spare capacity in, in our, our, our already packed workdays is going to be uh, hugely important from the standpoint of becoming future ready. Number four, the competencies. We already talked about that. We're going to have to learn an entirely new set of skills in order to do this stuff. Uh, key among them, anticipation, I think. Again, Dan Burrs talks about this over and over again. It's the idea, that, it's the idea of learning how to spot future trends before they happen and position our organizations to take advantage of them before the competition does. And it's actually a skill that you can learn. That's going to be a key uh, a competency going forward. And the fifth, the fifth step is, this is the one that I love. It's our core purpose, our core values, right? The things in a world where everything it seems to be changing around us, it's really kind of comforting to know that there are some things that should never change, and those are our core values, our core purpose. And and you know, I, I mentioned the core purpose of this profession before: making sense of a changing and complex world. Um, that should be our goal in everything that we do making sense of it for ourselves, and then making sense of it for our clients and customers too. And in order to help our clients and customers make sense of this stuff, we got to make sense of it uh, ourselves first, right? So, so those kind of five steps, context, certainty, capacity, competencies, core values, we call them the five Cs. Those are really what we believe are going to be the keys to, to kind of wrapping our arms around all this change and complexity that we're dealing with. And I agree with all of that. I'll just take a step back for a second. When I asked you about the introverted extroverted question, an attendee asked me that point. How do you teach an introverted person extroverted skills? I said, well, honestly, we're not trying to make you extroverted. We're just trying to hone your communication. You're communicating with me now. You have your own style of communication. We're just trying to hone that and make it much more efficient, much more pointed, and and also have the ability to connect with another person and increase that level of trust, increase that level of respect, and then things can, then things can get done. It's, it's it's a little bit also with the social filter, which I I think I eased this person's mind a bit about doing that, but. I see that in order for us to do this, and I believe you you wrapped up the paper around this, is we have to do a little bit every single day. Mm, yeah, and and that took me when I when I read that piece, that took me to the to um, Simon Sinek when he talks about leadership. He says you can go take a leadership seminar. That doesn't make you a leader. Right. You can take what you've learned, but you have to apply it every single day. 
yep. to become a leader. And that's along, along the lines with this is we, we can't procrastinate. We, we are historians. Right. We are historians and, and, and we need to move away from the history and help create the future or be, be that trusted business advisor that we've been talking about for years with our clients, customers, external and internal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's a, a very good point. And, and a, a point that uh, Dan Burris makes um, consistently is this idea of, of um, actually doing some future-focused work on a regular basis to kind of train ourselves to, to be doing it, right? He, he, he's, he's a big fan of saying that the most important app on his phone is his calendar, because if it doesn't get on the calendar, it's not getting done. So one of his his ideas, and I love this one. I've actually done it myself. I tell everyone that I speak to to do it. Schedule an hour with yourself every week, an appointment with you once a week where you do nothing but think about the future, right, in some way, shape, or form. Read one of the books or the research papers that, we, that we've been talking about um, and get informed about uh, what's going on in the world around us? Uh, learn how to use a new productivity app, right? I mean, talk to talk to your team and ask them what, what what's your favorite productivity app. Have them show it to you and show you how to use it. That's going to help you save some time down the road. That capacity question that we talked about. Think about what's happening around us and how it's going to impact the profession, right? Because disruption is I mean, it's most likely going to come from outside of our profession, right? We're, we're not going to disrupt ourselves, most likely. It's probably it's somebody out there who's going, doing something right now that's going to completely turn our world around, right? So what might that look like when it gets here? So, you know, just, just an hour a week to start thinking about these big questions. How am I going to um, start changing myself and my organization to, to take advantage of the changes that we're seeing? Um, too often, I think we look at this stuff as, as a problem to be dealt with, uh, something to be scared of, you know, new stuff. Ooh, that's, that's, that's frightening, frightening stuff. And change is scary. But, you know, if we can kind of turn that mindset around and start looking at the stuff as an opportunity, then a whole new world kind of opens up to us. So that, you know, learning to spend a little bit of time on a regular basis thinking about this stuff, I think, is a, a, a great first step. Um, to actually doing something about it. Two points there. I love that once a week schedule, think about it. And you you reference some of the re, the research and you've got all your references in the paper. But I will say that I've read The Second Machine Age. I've read uh, Humans Are Underrated. And I've read The Future of the Profession Professions. Uh, if I can make a recommendation to the audience, uh, The Second Machine Age, uh, it's a little tougher read because it's written by two PhD, MIT, computer scientist, um, that tends to kind of go over, it went over my head. I, I even went on a ladder and it still went over my head to read mm-hmm. the book. But uh, uh, Humans Are Underrated and Future Professions was an easy read. It was pointed, easier, easier to consume. And going back to Burst and, and scheduling things. Bill, when we first met, I would have never told you that I would consider myself a writer. I'm not a trained writer. I didn't. I didn't even like to write, you know, Christmas cards. <laughs> but I, I, I've, I've published a book, and what someone told me a while back was, if you want to do something, you have to schedule that time, put it on your calendar, and do it. I have on my calendar every morning, eight a.m. for an hour, write. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Right. I'm in the process of writing my, my next book about financial storytelling. And, and I consider myself now much more so than ever before a writer, but it took creating that habit. And, and I'll be honest with you, it hurt at first. <laughs> it really hurt at first trying to become a writer, looking at the, but let's bring in autom- automation, dragon. Uh, the uh, oh, speech recognition software that you can, Dragon Dictation, that you put on your computer. I use that a lot. Put my headset on and I just talk. And the ability for it to recognize after training that my voice went from maybe three, four years ago to about 90%. That is about 98%. So now I've saved myself time by getting it out on the screen by talking through it, now I got to go through the excruciating part of editing it, but it's saving me time to the technology piece. Yeah, yeah, yep. And and that's the great thing about technology today is that it learns as it goes along, you know, and 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 it just makes us that much more efficient. Um, and I think that's a great example, Peter, about about how how to build some capacity in there. But you're dead on with writing. I mean, I've, I've spent my life uh, as a writer. I was a, a journalist back in the day. Um, before I, I went to work with the MACPA, and it, it's ne- it's never gotten any easier. It's oh, it's a, it's a it's a hard hard thing to do to, and and a little intimidating. You know, to look at a, a blank screen uh, and try to fill it up with with words is 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 difficult. But um, but doing it is the, the the key to doing it is to do it right. Seth Godin had the, and and this applies beyond just writing, but Seth Godin, he was talking about blogging. He said, if you're good at it, some people are going to read it, right? If you're not good at it and you keep doing it, you get good at it, right? So that, that that's all goes back to practice makes perfect, right? And that applies to anything. It applies to anything. It applies to becoming future ready. As a, a concept as nebulous as that, just, just getting yourself in the habit of, of doing something Every day or every week, that's going to help you prepare a little bit more for what's coming, and 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 by extension, help your clients and customers prepare for what's coming. Just doing it makes you better at it. And I know the MACPA has uh, this anticipatory organization, anticipatory CP, CPA program that you use. Because um, I, when I was on vacation in Florida, I was down in Siesta Key, and a gentleman who's managing partner of a large a uh, regional firm based out of Youngstown, but in, in Sarasota, he and I had uh, breakfast one morning while I was on vacation since I was nearby. And we were talking about the profession. We we're talking about different things that are going on. And he said, yeah, this whole anticipatory organization. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Say that again for me. He said, <laughs> yeah. And I went, do you know Tom Hood? He goes, yeah, I know. That's who they came up and did it. And, and you know, our managing partner, who based on, was has been on this anticipatory thing for years. And you guys came up, and he said he absolutely loved the program. It got him thinking completely different, and it was so fresh and, and so new that everybody was just excited about it and have just taken it, taken that ball and running with it. We've gotten a lot of uh, people who expressed interest in finding out more about it. How can I become more anticipatory? How can I learn to spot future trends early and, and take advantage of them? Because they're, they're starting to understand that that's really one of the keys to becoming future ready. So it, it's it's just, um, I think it's a case of the, of the right 
uh, idea coming along at the right time, our hope is that more and more uh, folks will will um, take a look at it because uh, we think it's a really powerful tool um, for for helping you and others uh, become a little bit more future ready. Yeah, I, I I thoroughly agree, and I I hope that my audience who's listening to this will pass this episode on to colleagues uh, in the profession. Have them listen to it as well. We will have the white paper in the show notes and on my website that they can download and grab and take it, read it and spend some time thinking about it on, on how you can start today in the fall of 2017. And what can we do a little bit every single day to become more future ready? And this is a great blueprint to get people to think. Now, um, thank you uh, for that. Um, we, we think it's important. Uh, and and our, our goal is to make the rest of the profession think that it's important as well, because um, um, in, in a lot of ways, the future of the profession kind of depends on it. So I, I guess, you know, let me take you down this path, because I think one of our challenges as the profession is to be future ready. We need to change the accounting curriculum at the universities. <laughs> We could we could spend like three or four hours talking about education and, and <laughs> what what needs to be done there. Um, talk about a, a profession that that uh, isn't isn't future ready. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, not just in accounting education, but but just in education in general, because in a lot of ways we're 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 edu- you know we're trying to educate people to become future leaders with tactics that are centuries old, right? So, so yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. We, we do need to take a look at what we're teaching uh, kids, not just in, not just at university, but, but um, in high school and, and, and even earlier than that. Um, what things are they really going to need? Uh, Seth Godin, another one, I, 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 I keep going back to Seth because he's just brilliant, I, I believe. But he wrote a book one time. Um, he's written a number of books, but this book was called uh, Indispensable. I believe and that might not be the name of it. I'll have to look that up. But in it, he he put he put forth his his idea of what the future of education should look like, and it's a little radical. He says the only thing that we should be teaching um, our kids is leadership, a um, leadership skills, and problem solving. How to solve really hard problems. Everything else they can find online, <laughs> right? Now I, I think there's uh, I think that that's going a little further out than, than even I'm prepared to do. But the point is, yeah, I think we need to take a good hard look at how we're educating folks to become ready for, for tomorrow because um, in a lot of ways, education is still stuck in yesterday. Well, if we think about it, the way the current education system set up when they come out, the responsibility now to teach them today versus what was taught is now on the employer. The employer's going to have to invest much more, a lot more money into their employees to get them future ready, no matter what profession they go into. Yep, I, I, I agree. I think there is uh, that the employers do share a, a good chunk of responsibility for making sure their teams have the skills that they're going to need. I think there's a lot of personal responsibility as well. Uh, myself as as an employee, uh, this is my career we're talking about, right? My future. So if I'm not getting the skills from my employer, where am I going to get them? And and take it upon yourself to get out there and 
ensure that you, that you're you're going to remain uh, relevant going forward as well. So uh, I, th- I think the responsibility um, for doing this stuff, it's, I think it lies with with everybody, um, quite frankly. And even those who are going to be retiring out of the profession, leave it as better than when you got it. Mm-hmm. And, and don't turn a blind eye. Invest in the people, give them the skills that they need so they can be successful and your organization can continue to grow. Yeah, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm just now reading Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, that's one book that has just escaped me. But he, he makes that point. You know, the, the leaders of, of great companies spend more time on the people side of the equation and preparing to turn their organizations over to really talented folks when they leave, right? It's all about succession and surrounding yourself with the best people possible. And, and a lot of that is making sure that they have the skills to continue to grow going forward. So I, I've heard that you want to be the, you want to be the weakest link amongst your five closest confidants. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a great that's a great analogy. And I'm really good at being the weakest link amongst my five. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm brilliant at it. Yeah, put it put it another way. What's that that old saying that you know? Um, uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You're in the wrong um, room. Exactly. You want to you want to you want to surround yourself with people who are way smarter than you, and uh, uh, because that's how you know that's how things get done. Well, I, I was going to close the interview by asking you, because I'm always fascinated, what are you reading these days? But you already alluded to, good to great, and I still haven't picked that book up. That, that's, that should be something I, I should read. What have you read lately other than good, what came before good to great? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, I, I've, I've actually been doing a lot of reading um, from, uh, there's a series of books from a, an organization called EOS, which is, it stands for the Op- Entrepreneurial Operating System, but they, they've got a series of books about, you know, how you can get more out of your business and, and some great tools for how to do that. So I've been reading, one of them is called Traction, which is just a, a great kind of business book that, that lays out this, okay. this system for, for, for getting more out of your business from start to finish. So, so that was really good. Um, the other one that was almost life-changing in a way, it was just such a fantastic book. It's called Thank You for Being Late by Thomas Friedman, who is um, he's a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist for the New York Times. Um, and he spent a lot of time talking about the tra- change and transformation that we're seeing in, in the world today, not just from things like Moore's Law, which you alluded to earlier, that's the idea that computing power doubles every every two years or so, and that's what's what's leading to all this transformational change. But he's also talking about societal changes as well, um, uh, with things like climate change and, and how all these things are kind of dovetailing to make our world really, really complex. So, thank you for being late. Was was uh, uh, just an eye opening book for me. Um, I, I highly recommend that. Uh, Friedman, he was uh, he wrote was he the one who wrote the world's flat. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's cool. Yep. Um, have you read the book by John Medina called Brain Rules? No, no, I've not. You, you should pick that up and read it. it. It's he's he's a neuroscientist that actually wrote about the brain, but put it in a language that we all can understand. Nice. And this was introduced to me through professor of psychiatry at Michigan State University, who was the past president of the National Speakers Association. He came to talk to our chapter, and it talks a lot about. He put it in the context of presentations, PowerPoint, 
were more visionary and just gave me some really interesting ideas and thoughts. And, and I, I, I read that book. I was just fascinated. I've become fascinated by how the brain works and, and, and how the, more or less how the audience brain reacts to things that we do. In, in order to make it easier for them. And then the one that I'm reading now, I finally picked up um, and started reading uh, Steve Jobs' autobiography. And I, I'm kind of taking the Steve Jobs approach today. Uh, I'm barefoot at work and I haven't showered today. Uh, <laughs> but that was the thing that fascinated me about him. I didn't realize, I mean, he wouldn't bathe for a week or so. It's uh, it's that, 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 kind of mad genius thing going on is it who is it, who was einstein who had who wore like the same suit like had seven copies of the same suit so he wouldn't have to think about what he was going to wear or something like that I, I forget if it was einstein or somebody else but but yeah you 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 know that's i think there's something to that that people who change the world don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about fashion you know right <laughs> well cool well, Bill, thanks very much for spending time. I, I know that you're very busy because I heard your Slack noise go off in the background. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for that. I just, I just shut it down real quick. <laughs> no worries. I've um, I've been introduced to Slack from my producer. He he likes to communicate with his uh, uh, clients that way. So when I heard that noise, I went, oh, and you get a lot more Slack correspondence than I know that I do. Oh, man. It, it, some, it sometimes can be a little overwhelming. Um, and, and I just, every now and then, I got to shut it off so I can get some actual work done. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I, I, I appreciate it. So it's always good to talk to you. Any, any time. And, and I will make this plug. Uh, I don't know the date yet and maybe Bill can share that, but the MACPA is coming out with their own podcast here in the very near future. Yes. Yes. We we're, we're still in the, in the, the very early stages of, of planning it, but it, again, it's going to be kind of focused in on this notion of being you know, how to become future ready. Right. And we, we've talked to, to so many people and heard so many thought leaders um, uh, kind of expound on the, on this subject that we, we thought it would be fun to, to have conversations with them and, and share some of their ideas for, for how this profession can kind of move down that road. So look, look for that. Hopefully uh, at some point this fall or winter, um, we'll, we'll start rolling that out. In episode 73, my guest is Dr. Alan Patterson, who's the author of the book, Leader Evolution, From Technical Expertise to Strategic Leadership, and is one of the Business Learning Institute's thought leaders. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.